Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Welcome to Dynasty as They Want to Be, a podcast where we drill into the iconic 1980s television series, Dynasty. I'm your host, Derek J. Lang, and with me is my co-host, Kyler K. Jafari. Hi, hi. Well, how's it going? We're like week three of... I don't know. There is there is no more sense of time. I have no idea. I know. You keep saying that, and it always remo- reminds me of Prince. You know, Prince famously, in his later years stopped believing in the concept of time which just meant he was like late for everything yeah or i thought that just meant that you know he was a divine being yeah that too for prince it was always eternity Mm, i love that i love that for him and i would love that for me too but i think people would just think i'm an asshole no i I think we're trapped here waiting for whatever's going to happen (laughs) it's got to be better than whatever this is well, I can tell you what's not going to be happening is we're not going to fucking talk about Tiger King. I'm so no, please, God, no. sick of everybody's obsession with this show. And I have not watched it and I don't intend to watch it. Was was this just like a perfect storm of everybody's trapped at home and this just happened to be on streaming at the right time? I, I'd, I'd like to think so. Or is it because people think tigers are cute like as a pet but not in real life no i think it's just the train wreck of it all and people are trapped and they need something to latch on to i don't know it just seems very sad and depressing to me and sorry the world is like sad and depressing enough i don't need to laugh at other people's bad judgment and misfortunes and it's just so tacky don't you think i mean i guess but i guess i'm sort of gotten to a point where i'm embracing tackiness right now i you know, I, th- I think we can't be too humble. So you liked it the other day when we were doing a virtual happy hour with some friends and they were dressed as characters from Tiger King. Yeah, I was I was fine with that. You know, as long as it doesn't turn into a game of Twister, you know, but I think they were offended when I thought that they were dressed <laughs> in Burning Man costumes. <laughs> I didn't get the reference and they were just absolutely 100% sure that we'd seen every single second of Tiger well, King. They were very much all in on it. So <laughs> I, you know, I love a costume. Yeah. So I trophies I, for enthusiasm. I appreciated that. But yeah, I did break down the other night and I watched a clip on YouTube of 
RuPaul's Drag Race UK Dragways. <laughs> me baby RuPaul Dragways. Me baby now in quarantine. Take care of me, my mom. No, I, I, the the Vivian and Bag of Chips, these two drag queens, they were watching clips of Tiger King, so it was like you got the essence of everything in a you know ten you to know, fifteen on, minute video. On one hand, like I could get like huffy about how there's so much consumption content. By that I mean like people like watching other things for you and then like talking about it but that's basically huh? what we do <laughs> no it's gonna say um, honey <laughs> but also i think it's a really great way to watch tv or movies that you don't really want to watch like necessarily as that mm-hmm. thing you know so it's kind of like you can kind of get it through somebody else's lens and and just consume it that way and sort of like let them do the cliffs notes for you yeah oh i'll give a recommendation because some of our viewers might like this it's not really in the dynasty realm but there's this guy james a janice who does a a video series and a podcast dead meat where he counts how many people are killed in horror movies but i mean he's a straight white guy but he's like kind of woke so he sort of brings an interesting perspective to watching these like slasher movies from the 70s yeah but 80s. i think more than that like he would even acknowledge as pretty much anybody should that all of those movies are just garbage in a fun way of course so it's like he's cutting out all of the the fat you know and you just get like the best part so it's like and that's like the best way to watch a movie like that oh we yeah there's so we don't need a you know 94 minute runtime of of that because there's a lot of shitty dialogue uh-huh. and like stale acting and and poor production values yeah so there's like, so many of those movies that like i kind of want to watch but then when i really think about it it's like i don't want to give that two hours of my time but I will watch, you know, a cute well, straight white guy talk I think about it for that 10 says minutes. something about Dynasty that we can sit here and kind of spit out a 35 or 42 minute podcast about a show that's 42 minutes long because there's just something to say about everything that's going on. It's, well, yeah, it's my, high quality. Oh my guys. God, this, we spend 10 or 15 minutes of the podcast just talking about the outfits. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's a little bit of a superficial show and so that's where you pay a lot of the attention well now we did break down the other night and watch a movie that is very fond in my heart i don't think you've seen it in a long time and that is the jim carrey lauren hutton 80s vampire flick once bitten well don't take all the credit i was the one that remembered it and then you were like oh yeah i used to love that movie we gotta watch it okay if i hadn't thought about it how it happened that's definitely how it happened no i was like reminiscing about the 90s and then i think like exchange Uh, this movie uh, came straight out of 1986 i believe 87 so this is not the 90s yes but the aesthetic the production values were very forward thinking i mean if you were to be dropped into lauren hutton's vampire beverly hills lair would you think that you were in the 80s or the 90s oh this is like solid late 1980s are you kidding me i think it's like 90 there is something about los angeles that defined the late 1980s feel it's the pastels and the stucco and the vertical ginger jar lamps and i think that that maybe trickled down to the rest of the country five years later but it's very solidified in my mind is like that's the look of that yeah time. it kind of gives me alexis carrington penthouse vibes now a little I think bit about it yeah the one thing i will say about once bitten is 
it ranks up there with great 80s dance routines and i don't think it gets its due it really does i was gonna say that would be like the highlight of it like if you wanted to like sort of you know boil this movie down the way we were talking about that's like the one scene you need to see is the dance off at prom and obviously the shower scene is the other scene this movie was kind of like really on sensitive subjects that well i I can't believe they were like allowed to show boy butts in like theatrical release yeah yeah and say the f word the problem with that scene though is it's one of those gay terror well it's totally gay panic yeah Yeah. i mean it's kind of funny but then when you think about it you know take a shower after you watch the shower it's a good example of like a movie that's like totally regressive and like you know in today's world there's no excuse but it's still entertaining as hell and there's something about lauren hutton playing a vampirist that i just think is it's such a giggle. Yeah, she really sunk her teeth into that role. Well, before we get into this week's episode, we're having a great cocktail that has always been in the repertoire. Um, and this is a little bit in light of, you know, Alexis's campaigning in New York, specifically Manhattan. Uh, so we're having a, a Manhattan. Have we drank Manhattans while recording the show before? I feel like we have. We have not. I know. It feels like how did we overlook this classic? I mean, this is like always in, you know, the rotation at the bar. But so, you know, it's it's kind of like making a martini. You want all the hardware, extremely cold, two ounces of bourbon or rye, your choice, and one ounce of high quality sweet red vermouth we like a brand called via it's made in california but mm, there's some via. good things that come out of italy of course because they invented the whole idea i think but uh and then instead of bitters i use a dash of fernet branca which is a perverse touch from I it's guess, medicinal san it's francisco bartenders yeah i i don't know they they discovered or rediscovered this ingredient that's um, a pro tip if you are needing your last drink of the night at the bar you know when bars are open again order a glass of fernet bronco you won't have a hangover tomorrow well not a glass maybe just a shot you don't want a whole glass of the stuff well yeah just like serve i mean meat. it tastes like road tar yeah i'm not saying you're going to enjoy it but i'm going to say it's going to wipe the slate clean if you've got an upset stomach i mean that's what it was sort of invented for it's yeah all of these like you know, it's like bitter, bitter root and spices and herbs and things that will apparently cure your stomach ails. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, so, you know, a little drop of that and this Manhattan, it's like probably one of our favorite drinks and I don't normally drink them until the sun's gone down. Well, cheers. All right. Well, let's take a break and get into this week's episode, Mark. Good day, this is Joseph Anders, Major Domo of the Carrington Mansion, reminding you to listen to Dynasty as they want to be on Stitcher. Apparently, it's a free podcast app for Android and Apple. Apple, like the delicious fruit? It's home to over 260,000 podcasts. Stitcher also offers the Stitcher Premium subscription service featuring ad-free listening and exclusive bonus episodes for $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year. How ecumenical. If you want your first month of Stitcher Premium for free and to support Dynasty as they want to be, please make your way to stitcher.com slash premium and sign up using promo code Dynasty. That's stitcher.com slash premium, promo code D-Y-N-A-S-T-Y. Jeanette, 
there are spots on the champagne flutes. How many times do I have to fucking tell you to buff them? Buff them. Welcome back. Well, it happened again. There's a new character revealed in the credits. Now, Mark mm. pop, Mark Jennings popped up last week. His name has been uttered, good God, dozens of times, I think. But I didn't realize this actor... What's his name? Jeffrey Scott? You know, I am remiss on my actor research for this episode. I mean, he's We're going to have to do a deeper dive on him. I, I don't like his characters. I think that's why I didn't really get into it with Jeffrey Scott. But yeah, he's got his own damn title card already. Yeah. So I that means we're going to be stuck with this guy for a while. It's going to be a Dr. Rigatone situation again because some outside male has been foisted upon well, us. It, it is kind of interesting how the Carringtons just always have this bevy of service professionals you know coming in and out of the doors so i guess like mark's just another one of these like he's a, a tennis pro you know like well he's got a pretty this deep is what connection. the rich people think about the middle class or something I don't, I don't understand really but yeah obviously he's got a connection to crystal i think what happened was alexis coming in as the ex-wife of blake carrington really shook things up so they're sort of like treading the same shooketh. ground by having Mark come back, it's like, oh, we had the ex-wife come back. We'll have the ex-husband, who's not really the ex-husband, apparently, come back. But it's not off to such a great start. Certainly not as great of a start as when Alexis was introduced in that courtroom scene. Well, it's interesting you referenced the courtroom scene, but I'll get back to that in a second. Because, yeah, like, Alexis is, like, roosting at the Waldorf. Oh, I thought that was the plaza. Oh, shit, you're right. That's the, the goddamn plaza. Well, anyway... Um, it's not any of those things anymore. It's, you know, been turned into a, I don't know, McDonald's. Yeah. So where, where is this East Island tennis club? What is this like Montauk or something? I think it's the Hamptons. It's, it's like out in the slums of Long Island. And I will say they spent about a buck and a dime (laughs) on that sign. On that one sign for that establishing. (laughs) Otherwise, this is just another uh, location in LA. But yeah, so I love that she shows up at the tennis court and this like over the top you know black and white day suit still doing the black she's still in mourning still in mourning but it's black and white so it's half mourning and also it's sort of implying like chess moves because of the black and white and also she's just very down to fact she's like mark are you coming back to colorado or not I've got to get you in on this scheme with Crystal. Wait, you're skipping over the part where he was completely misogynistic to one of his pupils by saying he was going to bend over and spank her little bottom. Like, this is a woman who is paying for your services. Maybe that's the service she wants. I don't know. You know, that's a good point. But normally I would just default to the Dr. Tortellini issue, which is like worst psychiatrist ever. Do you want this guy, you know, shrinking your head? No. Do you want this guy teaching you tennis? Probably not. But maybe these women like pay him for that service. They they like being talked down to and demeaned. Sweetheart, you're trying. I can really see how hard you're trying on your serve. I really am, Mark. I swear. I always listen to you. I try to do everything you ask me to. Sure you do. All this sparkling sweat tells me you do. But if you don't listen to me all the way, if you don't keep your eye on the ball at all times, I'm going to have to paddle your cute little bottom. Looks like we've run past the clock, so lesson's over, and I'll see you Tuesday. Okay. She's very pretty. And nubile. Is she any good? With her racket, that is. She has potential. 
I bet. I didn't do a lot of research on Jeffrey Scott or Mark because I wanted to give my opinions unencumbered at this point. Maybe next right. week I'll do a bit And of I like that we continue dive. to do that because you can get too lost in the details sometimes. But was he supposed to be like a hunk? Are they like giving this show some well, hot beef injection? He's definitely poor man's Tom Selleck at this time no like, that's he, he's so got offensive. the mustache and the blown out hair yeah, and the that little does short not, shorts that does not a tom Selleck make tom Selleck has charisma he, he that's why he's poor man's tom Selleck. appeal this guy has no sensibility he's barely fit to teach tennis in montauk but uh, do do you find him sexy not at all i mean i i probably wouldn't kick him out of bed but like I don't know. Who I might. And he doesn't even have to eat crackers. Well, if he did, they'd all be stuck in his mustache. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm i just, I'm unclear of what purpose he's serving other than to kind of flush out Crystal's character and her backstory. But do we need a whole separate character to do that? No, and here's the problem with this character. And I think this is a good place to sort of introduce the whole problem with this episode and I like this episode a lot. It's still delivering everything that we've been loving so far this season. However, this episode's really trying hard uh, to the point that we're just introducing random plot points and characters all of a sudden that have nothing to do with anything and came from nowhere. Um, and he's a really good example of like, does this guy really need to be here except that he's going to advance the story but when characters are just there to advance the story... I wouldn't mind him as a guest star, but he's in the opening fucking credits yeah. now. I mean, I'm I'm really getting PTSD about the James Farentino character. Same. Because like, I don't want to sit with this guy for... And it's nothing against Jeffrey Scott. I mean, I, I don't... Like, the actor's not the problem. It's the character. I don't care about this tennis pro. I don't I like the, the fact that it's, like, Crystal's ex from way back or not, as it may be. There's, there's just something problematic about this whole plot device that's not entertaining to me. Well, the only thing I do like about it is that it gives Alexis another sort of... Uh, well, that's really all it's there for. So she can make some more chess moves in her you know, evil game of... You but know. what I was going to say before you cut me off was I like the fact that she has to play into his emotions, which is not necessarily something that she normally has to do. She sees that he really does still love Crystal. And that this isn't about money for him. This isn't about fame or power or like pedigree. Well, again, going back to this thing with her black and white dress, she's used to dealing in facts and strategy and like mind games. And like this, yeah, this is very much a game of heart. And she's the queen of spades. The other thing that's slightly interesting about it is that she spends this time in New York trying to convince him to come back to Denver. And he's very staunchly against it. And then he just shows up anyway and does this weird ass tennis trick shot routine to impress Fallon to get a job at the hotel now known as La Mirage. Well, I, I do think the writers played a little bit of shell game with, with this plot point because you don't really understand. I mean, I guess, okay, so this is the other thing that's really problematic about this episode, and I just mean aesthetically. This is the ultimate bad taste episode. Like, between Joseph's daughter, who we've never heard of and, like, really has no consequence to anything right now being Well, introduced. I have questions about that. Mark, who, again, just needs to be here so that Alexis can pull some strings in, in her revenge games. 
And then, like, you've got, like, this bad flashback stuff going on with, like, Mark and Crystal. My jaw dropped. We basically saw Crystal lose her virginity on her wedding night. Oof, do you really think it was that bad? Well, that's what she said. He's like, I'm going to be gentle. And she's like, I know you will. Oh, my God. Here's the thing. There was so much, like dream soft focus and and like introducing new soundtrack music it's like the lawrence welk champagne music there was a whole jar of vaseline on the lens yes absolutely and maybe even some pantyhose over the lens too (laughs) and so i didn't even hear any of the dialogue it was just sort of like shocking oh i was mortified one thing i never thought we would see and that i know that i did not need to see was crystal carrington knee jennings lose her v card on screen luckily i kind of blacked out at a certain point in this flashback which that's blacking out in the flashback but did did they do it through a hole in the sheet like what was this like sexcapade like it involved candy dishes apparently I that's don't all i heard was like the two hundred dollars <laughs> in wedding gifts like which was a big two hundred dollars of candy dishes because we're talking big valley linda evans not dynasty linda evans so you know th- this is a, a like the contrast of like how simple it was like oh god we got two hundred dollars worth of candy well, dishes look, for our and wedding this is know? what this is doing for crystal because we know a lot about the carringtons at this point in this series we don't know too much about crystal's backstory and she is one of the pillars of the show i don't really know what mark is and that's the problem he's kind of tofu he just sort of takes on the flavor of the characters around him which but is when appropriate you isolate him, he always wears white well yes there you go and maybe this is a comment on tennis in the 80s too i i have no idea but don't you talk trash about tennis now you know it's one of my fave sports hot rackets oh i need to go into hot rackets that should be a oh my god we're gonna do a bonus Bonus episode episode. on our patreon patreon.com slash nasty podcast and i'm gonna tell you guys about hot rackets he's gonna tell you all about the hot rackets let me just tell you porn plus tennis equals hot rackets i'm not gonna say anymore right but you have to place it in time in the 80s. Okay. Or maybe the 70s. Because like, if you do that now, it's just like on Pornhub, so who cares? Well, let's shift to talking about what most of this episode, I feel like, deals with, and that's the relationship of Adam, Blake, and Fallon. Adam has quickly established himself at the top of the food chain of Colby Co., and um, apparently he's still not too happy with Blake. I mean, he's taking his calls, and he's willing to go to lunch with him at now La Mirage, of course, because this is the new St. Dennis Club. That's the only place you can go to and have lunch in town. Right. I think the St. Dennis Club must have been like dismantled, and it became a prop on The Price is Right or something at this time. Um, I'm. This is totally apocryphal. I'm just making that up but it's weird because like Blake is almost in some ways like trying to romance Adam so he pulls up in this like hot red Ferrari and he's like oh you want to drive this baby and then like he has sort of like a a little mini falling out at the table with Adam over nothing over nothing and like it's funny that they're literally talking politics at the table which it just is inconsequential but it's interesting and fallon is like you know she shows up so blake is like sort of pleading for adam in front of fallon like but this is like the whole thing is like kind of like awkward and it's like what is this like rich family incest stuff again it kind of comes out because then like adam even says like sexy little sister you know i might have taken my sexy little sister here for a lot of things when i first met her but a hotel tycoon never do you really think i'm sexy adam very 
that's very flattering from my brother of all people. Well, if I'm anything, Fallon, I'm an honest brother. <laughs> it's like the Donald Ivanka thing or something. I don't know. There's like so much weird rich no, people. No, that's a good going. parallel. I thought we were going to be done with the incest stuff, but no, there's like this incest hangover because Adam. I don't need no cure for this incest, incest hangover. hangover. Yeah, it's weird because Adam reveals to Jeff, who I guess now they're enemies, that, you know, they had a little fling and that Fallon was coming on to him, which is total fucking hogwash. They were equally into each other. And Adam is still calling her sexy. It's like, ugh, we got to move on from this. I mean, I still have to ask, is this like acceptable parlance in the 80s, like for siblings to speak to each other in these terms of more than just endearment? I, I just think it's inappropriate. I don't know. The whole thing makes me happy that I'm an only child because it is <laughs> grody to the max. <laughs> Later on, we do kind of sort of understand why Blake is wooing Adam, and that's because he well, feels Blake bad about... Blake wants a straight son. That's that's what it boils down to. Yeah. I, I love that, like, I don't remember who said it, Blake or Adam, but or somebody else for that matter. Uh, Steven's been gone, and we don't know where he went, and we, we've almost forgotten him, and I feel like that's almost because the audience is probably like where did this character go i'm wondering if there were a lot of newer viewers because the ratings had spiked so high at this point in the run that they were like wait a minute there's another one and right and they're they're probably thinking like adam's the actual original brother and then steven's just sort of this like thing that they talk about i i don't know it's it's He's weird a but... specter looming over the carrington mansion well there's they're still casting for steven so we have to talk about the the renaming of well i didn't know if i had been calling it la mirage or if i had been calling it la mirada in my head i never made a distinction between the two they sort of mean similar things and of course sound similar and they all come from latin words so it's just like sort of interchangeable in a sense but yeah i think because i remember it as la mirage because that's what it is at this point forward right i probably called it that back in the day and well i love the new sign confused you i'm obsessed with the new logo i need oh the new sign is so now i need a t-shirt or a polo or something with that logo i'm going to be going on etsy and seeing if anybody has conjured that up if not we should make that available on nastypodcast.com I mean, the la mirage sign reminds me of all the like subdivisions i like grew up in and my friends lived in back then like they would always have like the brick planter with that kind of a sign on yeah it and a big the name of the neighborhood you know sans serif font. right yeah always sans serif yeah get those serifs out of here and don't you dare get behind on your hoa payments yeah so la mirada means the gaze and la mirage means the illusion so take from that what you will oh mic drop I don't. Yeah, I, I, I just. It's interesting that that one sort of suggests the other, but La Mirage kind of dials it in even more. And I just, I just again, this this ties back to why I love La Mirada, La Mirage, whatever the hell this purgatory is. Well, it's definitely a fucking mirage because the renovation is still going on. They have the sign now. They've taken down some of the tarps. I mean, I did notice that there was a pillar that was saran wrapped. Yeah, I love the saran wrapped furniture and dust cloths, and that equals pardon our renovation. Like, but okay. No, no, no. It's not pardon our renovation. The sign was literally like a paragraph long. It's like, why couldn't you just say, excuse our dust? There was, did you see that sign that was. Yeah, that was like from a skills exchange conference or something. Like, where did that. 
like whole poster board full of words come from yeah on an I, easel i don't think anybody took the time to stop and read that i was gonna freeze frame it but i was like ugh the last thing I need to do is read another book right now. I need to schedule a call with Fallon because we need to go over some things about this place. We also need to go over some things with her outfits. So, oh my spoiler God. alert. She Should we save this for fashion talk or right no, now? No, she's not going to be winning the look of the she week at all. She has fully embraced the prairie governess look. I mean... It's terrible. She she was sort of doing Stevie Nicks you know, at Croquet in the prior couple of episodes. Now she's like migrated to Christine McVie and it's just like lots of bad lace fichu shawl things with puff sleeves and it's very much a look i mean i will i will give it that like she's doing this young look that was happening at that moment but like it's not what we think of when we think of 80s fashion i just have to think that they weren't sure what to do because she's trying to be a businesswoman she's a mother so maybe they don't want her in the the tight clothes and the jumpsuits you know i think this feeds very much into how the 80s was a very adult time and i don't mean like adult in the like the fun sexy way i mean like there were people of a certain age with money and power, and that's what Dynasty's really giving you. And she's very much more like the young, you know, sort of like coming up like side of that. So that's why I think she's in these sort of like bad frontier outfits. I don't know. If it keeps going this way, I'm going to understand why Pamela Sue Martin left the series, because if they made me wear those clothes, I'd quit too. I did think it was really cute that we got a little heart-to-heart between Crystal and Jeff, who, Aye. I don't know, they really don't have a relationship together, I but mean, it we was were, We were kind of, kind of nice. on this in the moment, like when there's the nursery scene with them. Oh, yeah. When it was just Crystal, Little Blake, and Jeff, I was like, shut the door. Shut the door. Throw away the key. Like, I want these annoying characters to be trapped in the attic forever and never come back to the show. I know. But we kid, we kid. I did did like that they had a little moment together because these are probably, like, the purest characters or the non- I know, but it also means they're the most boring characters. And all they just do is, like, speak in fluffy half-truths and that's of course how we get to jeff talking about his sham marriage with fallon and oh but like how could i ever fall out of love with her i don't like her or anything else but how can i ever fall i have no sympathy he wanted this all along he pushed this along fallon has resisted everything along the way so i can't get on board with i mean they're just keeping it together for the baby let's just be honest and and but this just spurs crystal to link back to oh i had a first love and i'm still not out of love with him and his name was mark i mean she doesn't go into all of that story but they're they're cross-cutting it with the bad flashbacks from mark so it's very clear they're trying to like line up this whole mark and crystal reigniting storyline yeah which was nice (laughs) i don't know if that's the word i would use to describe it but i would call it cheap now we have to talk about joseph the bitchy butler AKA the malicious major domo and now father. I thought he was gay. Uh-uh. Not that you can't be gay. Stop that. <laughs> Is this a biological daughter? I don't, you know, it doesn't matter because none of these characters are biological. They're clearly written in a written room. On, yeah. Like <laughs> in and Studio that's, City. that's how, like how much the seams are showing here uh, that like, where does this look? We needed to make Joseph relevant again. So let's write this bad backstory about he has a daughter at the Sorbonne. Well, her fiance is at the Sorbonne. Uh, 
Joseph, I'm usually okay with, but now that they're dipping into his backstory, he's just as misogynistic as all these other. It is, fucking you know, men okay. This so this show. is a, a testament to how two-dimensional characters can actually be really well written and what happens when you try to make them three-dimensional and then suddenly joseph is sort of like deballed like i'm like oh i don't really want to hear about his daughter and him having like this whole family backstory like that's not what joseph is like he's sort well, of an accessory s- to the carrington right you know? a bitchy fun accessory totally and it makes him seem shallow that he was trying to marry his daughter off to some rich parisian guy now he's going to go to paris and make sure she marries that man now like i mean i wasn't like the hugest fan of joseph but i thought he brought some levity and fun and was good at you know delivering exposition and basically voicemails to the characters yeah and i think the show's kind of getting away with all of this bullshit right now because everything else is so good and they're just kind of like glossing over everything with a, a very shiny varnish. But we've lost Claudia. We've lost right, a lot. Yeah, right we've now we're wondering Claudia. where the hell is Steven? We've lost Steven. Claudia, my favorite character, is gone. The, um, the, the weird psychologist. I did neurologist. not need this thing with Joseph. Mark is just like, where the hell? I mean, he's I guess he's Crystal's sometime husband. I get but, it. It's just there's a lot of like stuff being forced into this episode or really into the show in this episode that I'm not comfortable with, but everything else is like so good. Well, they earned a lot of goodwill with Adam, I think, because it was dramatic and fun and and Gordon Thompson has sort of turned out to add an interesting dynamic to everything. But I don't know. We'll see. I mean, Kirby... Whatever her last name is that hasn't even appeared yet. There's just talk of her. So I appreciate the fact that they're at least like setting it up and it's not like boom, bang, she's here and she's, you know, fucking somebody. <laughs> Whoa, that went zero to 60 very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that it didn't go zero to 60 on the show. So I guess we're forced to talk a little bit of shop here because I guess Colby Co. and Denver Carrington have some interfamily conflicts going oh, on. Yeah, a lot of moves happening, a lot of career opportunities. Yeah, it's okay. So, you know, we've always complained about Jeff being sort of like, I don't know, no cojones, especially after season one. Sort of season one, he's a strong character and then he's not anymore. Now he's, I guess, trying to play some moves against Adam. I feel like there's just like some sheer vengeance going on here between these two it's adam carrington i think that's all been squared away my mother believes me no questions asked blake apparently believes me questions asked and answered and you know what else i think jeff sitting here now face to face with you i'm thinking how strange it is you can't control your temper in a simple business matter But maybe then again, it's not so strange after all, is it? I mean, a man who can't control his own wife, her sexual appetite. Seems like his only motivation is really that Adam fired the lawyer for Colby Co. Because the lawyer for Colby Co. told Jeff about a deal happening with those damn Rashid Ahmed brothers. And Adam, like a, a classic sociopath, already showed his hand the first time he ever met Jeff, like, oh, show me them oil lease documents. We both work for the same family. It doesn't matter that it's two different companies. So I think Jeff already was clued in on, you know, what a psycho this guy was. And I think now that that and some other things have built up and Jeff's just in rage mode, which he already was at the beginning of this 
episode where he's sprinting in his Mercedes across what's supposed to be downtown Denver, but is clearly Century, Century City. City. It is a weird place to be in for Jeff where he's working for Denver Carrington. He's kind of at the top. Blake Carrington is this father figure, but now he owns 50% of this other company which is owned 50% by Denver Carrington. I don't know how all that business stuff works, but it's definitely... You're not supposed to think too hard about any of that. I'm not going to. That's why I really hate when they try to introduce business in this show. I think this is probably handled a little better than it was earlier, but it's still just like, does anybody care that much about the oil business side of the plot here? I just like the fact that they're setting up this kind of rivalry between... Adam, who is a bloodline Carrington and now mixed up with Colby Co. And Jeff, who wants to be a Carrington but is actually a Colby. It's sort of an interesting dynamic. I think there's a lot that but they But they're could both equally it. somewhat illegitimate, right? Because Adam is portrayed somewhat as a pretender, even mm-hmm. though he probably is blood. So nobody's really sure, is he, isn't he? And obviously Jeff is you know in a similar why position why hasn't any blood work been done well there was blood work remember when cecil and uh, blake had to do the that was to determine if cecil was fallon's father well i know but that's all the blood work you're going to get on this show okay well i after need... this it's just pure conjecture and tarot cards and <laughs> you know woo woo you mean baby rattles sure that too <laughs> Anyway, all right. Well, this was a really interesting episode. I think they're setting up a lot of stuff. Alexis had some fun lines and the fashions were good. Let's talk about well, the fashions. I, I, I should say, though, the thing with Alexis at the end, especially, but it's kind of laid out a little bit earlier, is she is asserting her power in that dynamic with Adam and Jeff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... I think Adam's a little bit, uh, I hate I hate this dumb word, but he is a little bit thirsty and like a good psychotic. He's really just trying to take over the world and she has to kind of put him in his place. So it's kind of interesting that she's very comfortable with Jeff kind of just like coming aboard, even though she probably knows in the back of her mind not to trust him either. And then they have that weird little like dinner conversation where she tells Adam as much. You know, like, I know who my enemies are, and I will make those choices, and you're not anybody to tell me. Yeah, she's not afraid to put anybody in her place. But I do think that Jeff has done the miraculous job of winning over everybody in this show, except his wife and baby mama. Well, it's funny because Adam even calls Jeff out for his smooth skin, and he's like, I guess that's supposed to imply, like, that he's a homosexual. No, no, no. I think it's supposed to apply that... Well, because Blake even says, no, Jeff's definitely a man or whatever which oh, i guess that means, was like gay talk? which means you're not a homosexual <laughs> you know it's like i mean so yeah it's, i didn't even realize is, that yes that makes sense this is damning dialogue because adam knows that jeff and fallon ain't fucking so now he's thinking oh well maybe he's one well, of this those is more of like, like the, the kinky family dynamic I, I don't know who's into who who's wanting who i you know the way that people talk about each other in this family Ugh, gross i mean I guess that's why it's called Dynasty. You mean Dynasty. Now it's time for the part of the episode where Kyler and I choose our Lurk of the Week. I I know that I'm getting bored of Alexis wearing black, but I do like that, as you sort of noted earlier, she's introducing other elements, the white in the tennis, and then at the end, she's got those big 
what are they, what is that jasmine roses that print on the black dress i don't know what it was some sort of oversized floral print on black yeah yeah sort of a kimono cut but there was just something about her wearing that black and white outfit when she strutted into that tennis court in montauk or the hamptons or wherever it was and all the focus all the energy she just sucked it up and those sunglasses i want yeah, the sunglasses for sure sunglasses yeah the windshield sunglasses and also she's at a tennis court which totally contrasts and makes this outfit stand out even more oh honey she's come in from the city just to come have this conversation and she's going to go right back she's not going to the damn beach well and also she's campaigning for mark who's in his little white short shorts and so this, there's also a power dynamic there too you know what she's wearing does all of these things don't you think i'd look good in those sunglasses though i gotta find a pair of sunglasses like I mean, that oversized sunglasses are in also i think that this the suit dress hat whatever i know all of these things is that, this your look of the week too um i'm not really sure but i would say that it reiterates her original entrance to the show in the courtroom yeah but it but finally gives it its proper it. due yeah mm-hmm. it's it's still a black and white it's not illusion but it's it's doing something else that black and white are capable of and it's just more refined so it's like she's finally getting the proper treatment and there's no gd veil i was so sick of all those veils that she was wearing i mean it was were veils just like a, a fad for like a couple of years in the early to mid 80s and i then, don't remember my mama wearing a veil when well, i was a little I mean, babe in the, the 80s I don't, I don't think your mama was like roosting at the plaza in 1984 shopping at Bergdorf. I really did love some of the accessories we got this time. Most especially the peacock brooch that she's wearing on her morning toga at the oh, I thought that was hotel an, room. Was she wearing like some sort of an owl brooch too? It wasn't an owl. It was like a peacock. If you look at it, there's like some like fan feather thing, but it's all oh, in like... I thought it was an owl. It's rhinestones, diamante. It might be real diamonds. Who the hell it probably is if it's Alexis, but but it's, it's also got like a pivot, so it kind of like moves with her, you know, so it's not just like a stationary yeah, like multiple pieces. jewelry piece, you know, so like that was like fun. I kind of liked the one shoulder toga, even though it's not exactly really on point with what we usually like in the outfits on this show. And then the headband at the end, the headband at the end for sure. Um, you know, there, there's just a lot of like details. Oh, probably my favorite accessory actually is her Jigunda crystal table lighter in her penthouse apartment. <laughs> um, I mean, if you're going to smoke inside, you might as well have goddamn accessories to do it. You know, like, that's, well, and that's probably a workout to lift that thing up yeah. to your cigarette. I mean, you want an ashtray from Cartier. You want a, a table lighter from Tiffany. You want cigarettes from Italy. I, you know, who knows? But yeah. And she you know, only she's took doing two it. puffs of that cigarette before she put it's it It's really all just for the drama. I mean, even she doesn't really want to drag either. She's, she's just, you know, it, again, a cigarette for her is another power move. She's just going to light her cigarette because it's kind of an f you to whoever's in the room talking to her you know? well it's the end of the world baby so smoke them if you got them well kyler thank you for joining me for another episode of dynasty as they want to be well i don't have any choice we're stuck here you love it and if you love us you should follow us on social media we're at nasty podcast that's n-a-s-t-y podcast if you're new listening dynasty is like a sports term so we're just nasty because we're nasty as we want to be yeah exactly 
And if you really love us, you can support us on Patreon. We have uh, all kinds of goodies on there, including ad-free episodes and bonus episodes. You can join at the Crystal, Alexis, or Blake levels. But even if you don't want to do that, we'll still be delivering you Dynasty as they want to be every week wherever fine podcasts are available. If you want more information or want to write us a little note, you can visit nastypodcast.com. Oh, and Kyler, we had a really nice little Instagram message from one of our fans, Evan Tyler McFalls. What sort of bullshittery are we getting called out for this time? He called Nasty Podcast his newest discovery, open parentheses, which I love, close parentheses. And this is a a sexy guy, so um, we love you too, Evan Tyler McFalls. Next week, I guess we're going to meet Kirby, whatever her fucking last name is. Oh, boy. (laughs) Just what we needed. Burn on my love letters. Tell the children I'm never coming back. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.